0: It's time Fort Wayne, your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Deal, Wayne. Three ball, that's Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11, touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible. Older oh, and I'm wiser. Yeah, well you're half right. What this is this is amateur hour? This power? is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. It's about damn time. Turn up the music.
1: Finally got to that 5 o'clock end of the day. Time to go home. Ah, here we go. It's the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Glad to have you with us. 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, so you can join the show. Let us know what's on your sports brain today. Of course, we had... uh, couple of texts earlier from the same texter who was talking about the Purdue Boilermakers and their little bit of a letdown against Minnesota. They did come back and win that game at Mackey Arena. But on the road, they weren't able to make the comeback against Ohio State. And they said it gives them a lot of reservation in getting their hopes too high for the March tournament. And uh, you get that. I mean, and that's, you know, we talked about this in the first hour. That's what Purdue players have been hearing all season long, every time they have an accomplishment, it's like, yeah, that's great, but let's see what they do in March, right? You downplay it because that's Purdue fans. They they don't want to get their hopes up based on regular season accomplishments and then be let down again in the NCAA tournament. And so I, I think it's very normal that the guys uh, hear that, they see it on social media, and eventually they're like, you know, it's doesn't matter if we win or lose, And they'll come out and have a dud. And so, you know, you're at a part of the schedule where the teams aren't teams that you're naturally going to get pumped up for because it's not like the, you know, you're trying to prove your supremacy in the Big Ten. You're not taking on Illinois. You're not taking on Wisconsin. No, you're taking on teams that are in the middle or bottom of the pack. And what happens is you don't play your best basketball and Purdue certainly didn't play its best basketball yesterday 14 turnovers leading to 22 Ohio State points they only forced Ohio State into 6 turnovers and that produced just uh what was it how many points did Purdue have 5 points off turnovers so not not the kind of game uh that Purdue was hoping to have in Columbus and hey Ohio State big big win you know I I was a little surprised in the way they let go of Chris Holtman. I thought he would at least get done with the season and then they could make their decision. But uh, it's a bold move by a new athletic director and first game for an interim assistant coach coaching his first game as a head coach on an interim basis. And he picks up a win over the number two team in the country. Not a bad way to start your career. And at this point, I think I'd be in the athletic director's office saying, let's negotiate a deal. Because you're never going to have more leverage or a better resume than a 1-0 undefeated record and a win over the number two team in the country.
2: And I thought the Buckeyes actually played with a lot of aggression, a lot of uh, fire, and, and really, you know, a lot of effort. Got after loose rebounds, and, and you know, every time they were on offense, they just seemed to have that little extra pep in their step. You know, whether it was taking a cut to the basket or Every three-pointer, it just felt like they were confident in their shot and that it was going to go in. You never know what team you're going to get when
1: you have a coaching change like this Mm -hmm. because it could send the team two different directions. And sometimes they take it personally that they were responsible of getting a coach fired, costing a coach who's been there for years before you arrived his job, his livelihood. And sometimes you take that very personally, and it is a motivator. It's like, you know what? i got to be better than what I've been. Because what I've been just cost a guy his job. And you come out and you play a better basketball game. And I think for Ohio State, that's what we saw. And Purdue wasn't able to handle it. Ohio State went on a run. They took control of this game late in the first half. And they, even though Purdue made a couple of runs, the one thing Purdue didn't have was a lead. And that, I think, is a huge difference. Psychologically, Ohio State never gave up the lead. Because for a team that's been losing... What would happen if Purdue all of a sudden comes from from double digits down? What were they, thirteen down or something like that? Yeah, to come back and give up that lead in the second half. Ohio State, in their minds, it's here we go again.
2: Exactly, it's a letdown.
1: <laughs> you know, it's a psychological uh, dagger. But uh, it didn't it didn't happen. So Purdue ends up falling to Ohio State, seventy three to sixty nine. But I think Purdue still safely, what are they at number three ranked in the country now? They are three. And so they're still a number one seed in the tournament. Probably could afford even one more loss, but I don't know if they want to go to two more losses. And you think, you know, there's one probably waiting for them in the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Sometimes, though, what happens is those lines have already long since been decided when you get to about the third day of the Big Ten tournament. So by Saturday at the latest, uh, the committee's already figured out their number one seeds, their number two seeds. And anything that happens in the uh, in the postseason tournament that would happen on Saturday or Sunday has very little influence on the actual seeding line. But uh but anyway, four six eight six two Sparkview Sports Medicine Text Line. If you'd like to weigh in, we always welcome your suggestions, questions, and feedback here on the sports rush. Uh good weekend for the Mastodons heading up to the motor city, taking on Detroit Mercy. They're again another team. You don't know how they're gonna respond after they pick up their first win and they finally get off the schneid after being 0 and twenty-six. <laughs> they got a double-digit win against IUPUI, and so they bring a lot of momentum and probably some renewed confidence into that game against the Mastodons. They played well, and the Mastodons, though, eventually shook them in the second half and ended up winning the game 83-69, to and then the women got a big win over Detroit Mercy as well. That game at the Gate Center yesterday... And we talked about how the women were taking on the two teams that were closest to them in the standings other than Wright State. And so you had two teams right there on the cusp, a game, game and a half behind the Mastodons. And the women took care of Detroit Mercy 77-67. And so now, now they have a tough road game coming up on Wednesday at Northern Kentucky. Up next for the men, they head to the Dairy State. They've got Green Bay on Friday night. And Milwaukee on Sunday afternoon. Green Bay right now fighting for first place in the league with Oakland. In fact, I did look this up uh, during the break, Adam, that there's only two teams in the entire Horizon League with winning road records. Oakland and Purdue-Fort Wayne. Only teams that have an above 500 record on the road. As Oakland's 8-7 and seven and Purdue-Fort Wayne is 6-5. and five. And it's ironic both those two teams actually beat each other on the other team's court.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. that's Best road teams, and they proved it against each other. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that the Dons can go on the road and, and knock down some of the better teams in the Horizon League. It's just a matter of uh, can they do it when it comes tournament time.
1: Well, the big test is going to be on Friday. Remember, the Dons have not lost a Horizon League game by more than eight points all year. Mm-hmm. They're the only team in the Horizon League that... Uh, they can claim that. Actually, I think uh, Green Bay might also have that claim. Uh, but but it, it's tough to go through a season and not have a dud. And the Dons have just never had a dud. Now They've had some games where they played some competition they probably should have beaten and ended up losing a close game. But they just haven't had that game where they... Get beat by 22, 23, 24 points, and almost everybody has. Green Bay actually did get beat by 22, so it's not Green Bay that would have that mark. I thought there might have been one other team, maybe it's Youngstown State, I don't know. All I know is I think there's one other team in the Horizon League that has not lost a game by more than eight points. And, uh, and the mastodons have that going for them. So they're competitive with everybody. They can beat everybody, they can win on the road. All of the factors are there if you kind of ignore the fact that yeah, it's just an eight and eight team right now in the Horizon league because their seed is going to be impacted by the one loss record. But the statistics that kind of back up where this team is at in relation to others, there's a lot of favorables in that in those analytics. So, uh, but anyway, nice little weekend trip to Detroit and Butler. Oh, Butler, their chances are fading, fading, fading. They've lost three of their last four, and the problem for Butler is, yes, they got beat by good teams. They got beat by UConn, Marquette, and Creighton, and those are three of the best in the Big East. The problem is Butler needed to make one of those statement wins, and they didn't do it, and now the losses are piling up for the Butler Bulldogs. Two of those losses at home to Marquette and Creighton. Uh, They lost to Creighton on Saturday by 22 points. Not the weekend or the week, really, that Butler needed uh, also, over the weekend, uh, last night, I had a chance to sit down and watch the sectional draw for boys basketball. It is that time oh, yeah. with the girls getting set to head to the state championships. We had the boys sectional draw. And uh, taking a look around the area, I think all eyes point to the uh, Bluffton 2A sectional. Because that is where you have an 18-4 Adams Central team, an 18-2 Manchester squad, sixteen and four Whitco, seventeen and four Bishop Lures, and Bluffton, who's got a great basketball tradition, sitting there right around five hundred. Blackhawk Christian is sixteen and six. I mean, what a tough sectional! Mm-hmm. And the draw has come out: South Adams, Adams Central. Will play in the opener on Tuesday night. South Adams just three and seventeen. Adam Central eighteen and four. So should be a win for Adam Central in round one. On Wednesday, good doubleheader. Manchester Whitco opens it up. Bluffton and Lures play to follow, and then the winner of Manchester Whitco will take on Blackhawk, which means Bishop Lures will be on the opposite side of the bracket, and we could possibly have a blackhawk bishop Lures championship game in Bluffton. Uh, we will be there for the Friday night semifinals in Bluffton a week from this Friday, and as we know, Blackhawk will be in those games because Blackhawk got the bye, and so it'll be Blackhawk versus the winner of South Adams-Adam Central, which probably will be Adam Central. So you'll have 18-4 and four versus 16-6, and six, at least at this point in the season. I think probably both teams have one more game left and then uh, game two on Friday night will be the winner of Manchester Whitco versus the winner of Bluffton Lures. But we'll have our coverage presented by Parkview Sports Medicine Friday night, six o'clock. Two games live from Bluffton. All right, how was that? Uh, by the way, <laughs> uh, before we get to Rakes or to uh, Don Fisher, mm-hmm. who's coming up next? Talked about this with. Uh, Uh, With Greg Rakestraw, the regional, I've got issues with the state tournament. You know that I don't like the way they change the regional and semi-state format. I think if you're going to weed out 80% of the field or better on sectional week, then weed out another 75% of the remaining teams on regional week. Okay, just keep weeding them down, weeding them down. I don't like the fact that you've got you know, four teams that have to go to two games on semi-state and that you've got two tired teams then that compete for the right to play in a state championship, I'd rather have two fresh teams that had a week to scout against one another and let the best team advance to the following week and play a state championship. I don't like the changes, and the IHSAA has never been able to give us any good reason for those changes. But part of the changes is that they had to find new sites, they had to kind of restructure how the tournament was set up as far as tournament hosts. And it's kind of screwing the Fort Wayne area. Um, You know, when we talked to to Rake about this, I said, you know, I made a copy of it off the IHSA site. Here's the north regional host cities. And so when we get through sectionals next week, our teams are going to be assigned to one of these locations. Michigan City, which is two hours. Actually, a little over Logan's Port, an hour and 40 minutes or so. South Bend, Washington. Good hour, 45 hour, 50 Newcastle, which is actually down almost around Richmond. North Judson, San Pierre. Good. I don't have any idea. I don't know where it is. <laughs> what is it? North Judson, San Pierre. I think it's near Valparaiso. Or at least in that general vicinity. Lapel, Triton, which is near Plymouth, or just uh, I might even be west of Plymouth, and Frankfort, which is northwest of Indianapolis.
2: So North Judson, uh, that school district just south of Laporte, uh, just northwest of Winnemac. So definitely over there by Illinois. Near Valparaiso. Yep, yep, that's you were what right. I said. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's in the Valparaiso area, so that's almost two hours away. Mm-hmm. So when we get our teams that advance out of the sectionals, they're going to have to go play regionals, probably an hour and forty-five minutes away or more. Sounds hour and right. fifteen minutes, maybe at the closest. Yeah, I don't like it. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. We've got to take a timeout. Don Fisher is going to join us coming up on the other side. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. And uh, coming up tonight, we've got the coaches' shows. Yeah, we've got Matt Painter coming up at 6.05. And then at uh, 7.05, it is Inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson, hosted by Don Fisher. We've got both of those shows lined up tonight. And joining us right now, as he does each and every week for our 15 Minutes with Fish, it's the legendary Hall of Fame Hoosiers play-by-play broadcaster Don Fisher. And, Don, before we get into Indiana, do want to uh, tell you I know former Indiana coach Mike Davis, who uh, you have a lot of respect for and, and have maintained somewhat of a relationship with over the many years since he departed IU. Big for Detroit Mercy. They are not going to go winless this year. They did pick up a victory. So an update on Detroit Mercy. They have now got a win.
0: Well, I have to call Mike and congratulate him. I did not know that, because uh, I've kind of lost track, <laughs> <laughs> having have no, knowing full well that they had not won a ball game up to that point. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough to talk to somebody when you know they're 0 and 26. It's like exactly. where do you start that conversation? You well, know.
0: Well, you don't want to ask the guy, how's it going? Because you know how it's it's going. going. Yeah. Yeah. No, Mike is a good man. Uh, Obviously, they've had a really rough year. No question about that. Um, We'll see how Detroit Mercy handles that because lots of times when you don't when you don't have a very good season like they are not having uh, that pretty much ends your reign. And um, honestly, I I think Mike is a really good basketball coach. I don't know if this is this is his last gig or not. I think he's uh, I think he's always been a good coach and figured out a lot of ways to play good basketball but uh this year has been without question probably his most trying as a head coach and you never know when they finally say enough is enough you know what i mean
1: yeah and it's uh, it's kind of interesting you go through the season and so many games that they had there for the taking and they just couldn't figure out how to get over that final hump and claim the win and uh mastodons were there on Saturday and uh, and got a got a win, but uh, but Mike did get the win last week on Wednesday against IUPUI. So at least it's not going to be one of those uh, those haunting seasons that will wear on you forever.
0: Uh, I, can't,
1: I, I still think it's going to wear on Mike for a while. <laughs> I think, yeah, it probably will. Hey, uh, Don, let's talk about Indiana because uh, at least wearing on Hoosiers fans right now is where this team is at and where it seemingly is heading. You talked about the future fate of Mike Davis. Well, the future fate of this Indiana basketball team doesn't look to be a whole lot better. And I'm not referring to the head coach. I'm referring to what they've got as far as March plans because... Uh, another game that was a winnable game, one you kind of have to have if you're trying to get into the discussion of postseason basketball, and they just couldn't get it put together against Northwestern.
0: No, they could not. Uh, Obviously, they get off uh, again to a slow start in the first half, get down, I think, 11 points at one point, and then make it an eight-point game at halftime, come back in the second half and fall behind by 16 uh, which you know that that's in itself is a, is a big problem, and you've got to you've got to just take over a ball game to start a second half if you're going to have that kind of a comeback in a matchup against a team like this. And Indiana just struggled mightily in a couple of different areas. And I, uh, if you look at three different areas in this ball game, you can tell where the ball game was lost. Um, Northwestern. Uh, Out rebounded Indiana, 30, uh, thirty-eight to thirty-seven, but that wasn't the biggest problem. It was the offensive rebounds in this ball game, which Northwestern had fourteen to Indiana's six. Well, fourteen—that's an eight-point or an eight-rebound uh, difference on the offensive board, which means you've got eight more chances right there. Turnovers: Indiana had eleven. That's in the ballpark of where Mike Woodson wants Indiana to be. However, they scored 11 points off those turnovers. Indiana turned Northwestern over just 3 times. Northwestern had 11 points off the turnovers that Indiana had. Indiana had none off of Northwestern's turnovers. And then you look at the free throw differential in this ball game. Indiana shoots 21, makes only 12. That's 57%. Northwestern shoots 28 and they make 22. That's ten more than Indiana made at the free throw line. Ball game was won and lost in those three areas right there.
1: Well, free throw shooting has been a little bit of an Achilles heel for this basketball team, and and you feel like they should be better than what they're do they're shooting right now. Is it is it a, uh, you know, physical? Is it is it just they're not great free throw shooters, or has it gotten into their heads?
0: Well, I think a combination of all of those. I don't think they're great free throw shooting team, but. I think more than anything else, it's in their heads. I, I think this ball club uh, really struggles with their confidence when they get up to that free throw line. And why? I have no idea. I know that Indiana's not a great shooting team, but they're not a bad shooting team. They hit 47% of their field goals in ball games this year. That's not bad. But at the free throw line, they're hitting less than 64%, 64% at the free throw line as a team. That's terrible. And when one guy starts missing, it seems like it just spreads like a pandemic. So there's no question this team's problem at the free throw line, in my mind, is more mental than it is anything else.
1: You know, one of the tough things is they don't have the one guy that shoots 85, 85 to 90 percent. You know, that one one guy that when he gets to the trip, he makes all the wrongs right again and you can feed off of. It's well, like they all share in the problem.
0: Yeah, they do, and and Mackenzie and who was Indiana's best shooter, is right there at eighty-five percent on the year. In this ball game, though, he starts out, oh, uh, he misses his first free throw, makes his second. He has only two points at halftime. Comes back in the second half and knocks down, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, and misses two others. Yeah. So he didn't shoot it terrible in this ball game, but. But nevertheless, that first time he goes to the free throw line and the first free throw he shoots where all of these players say he's gonna make it, he doesn't make his first one on the day. <laughs> and from that point forward Indiana struggled and, and it was nobody but there was there was nobody that shot the free throws really well in this ball game, excepting C.J. Gunn, who took two and made two. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give
1: we'll give C.J. the credit this week. Uh, team team uh, award for best free throw shooter. <laughs> um, All right. So let's talk about the consistency, because it seems like every game it's like this guy had a great game, but this guy didn't show up. Seems to be a a problem with IU that you look at, you know, like, for instance, this week, uh, Kalil Ware was, you know, 22.16 rebounds. But yet Malik Renew didn't really have much of an impact on this
0: one. No, he didn't. He got himself in foul trouble. Uh, he had nine points in the ball game. He had five rebounds. Um, but he, in the, in the ball game, he plays only 24 minutes. Well, Malik is. Playing 35 to 36 minutes in most games this year, even 37 minutes at times, and uh, and he's a guy that Indiana relies on to be a major factor. He's their leading scorer, um, and he's such a big part of what Indiana tries to do offensively. But in this ball game, uh, his foul troubles uh, plagued him dramatically, uh, and he just didn't look like he was in sync in this contest. Uh, he had a tough ball game, obviously. Mackenzie um, and Baco stepped up in the second half and got hot. He scores 20, a 22 for Khalil Ware with the 16 boards that you just mentioned. Without question, those guys were major factors in this ball game. And even Gabe Cupp steps up and knocks down two big threes in this ball game, uh, which he's not normally doing. Gabe is a guy that's averaging well under three points a game, uh, but he plays a lot of minutes and he plays and he played really well defensively against uh, uh, J- Boo Booey, who had a, a subpar game for him. He averages 19 or 21 in, in Big Ten play, and he's He had 14 yesterday. Cups did a great job on him defensively. But it was the rest of the uh, Wildcats that took over. The Langboard kid, who's a transfer portal guy from Princeton, 26 in that ball game (laughs) yesterday. Uh, He played terrific. But I thought the bigs in the game for Northwestern were the critical factor. The Nicholson kid... Uh, even though his stats aren't dramatic, he had 14 points, but he had 16 rebounds. That's pretty dramatic. I and
1: that's about 10 dramatic. points
0: over his average. <laughs> exactly. So he scores better than he normally does. He had 16 boards in the game. Uh, the kid, Nick Martinelli, who's basically a guard at 6'6", he has 13 rebounds in the ball game. So... And the offensive rebounds, like I said before, I think those were as big a factor as the free throw misses that Indiana had in this contest.
1: Talking to Don Fisher, it's our 15 Minutes with Fish. We have it every Monday. Don, this is a big week for Indiana basketball. They've got to right the ship. They've got to get themselves in a the good position to make an impressive run in the Big Ten tournament. And if any of that is going to happen, it's got to happen now because you got two beatable opponents on the schedule this week
0: no question uh... i think if they can't win on wednesday night going to penn state who beat them by i think fifteen points when they played them in assembly hall uh... if if they can't beat nebraska who has not won a big ten road game yet this year and nebraska is playing pretty well i mean they're eight and seven in the league so they're not a bad ball club we know that fred hoiberg's team this year much better than they've been in the past but they've struggled on the road They're going to be licking their chops, looking at maybe their first road win of the season if they can beat Indiana in Assembly Hall. And this Indiana ball club has got to right the ship at this point. This week is the critical one. If they don't win either one of these ball games, I don't know if they're going to beat anybody the rest of the year. And that is saying something.
1: Don, always appreciate you jumping on with us. Have a great week. Look forward to uh, Indiana-Nebraska. That is a Wednesday night tip, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.
0: Appreciate it, Brett. Thanks for having me. Yep, that is Don Fisher joining
1: us here on the Sports Rush. Each week we get a chance to spend 15 minutes with Fish and uh, talk about the Indiana Hoosiers with the legendary Hall of Fame play-by-play voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher. All right, so we've got to get this show moving. We're going to take a quick break and come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to a Monday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Um, the, oh, I almost uh, jumped the gun there. Sorry about that, Coach. <laughs> Once again, Coach Kaufman gets in the last word. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, I'm caught in a trap. Uh-oh. Yeah, I almost broke into my Elvis. <laughs> Indiana women got caught in a trap game today. Yeah, they did. Big time trap. Mm. Got beat at Illinois 86-66. to 66. 20 spot. Wow. Well, they were down... Big at halftime. Uh, At halftime, it was 44 to 28. They were down 16 points at the half. Third quarter, they came out and it looked like, okay, this is what we expected. And they gave them that run. But again, they didn't get over the hump. Illinois had a chance to respond to it. Illinois got back up by 15, 16, 17 points. Next thing you know, it's over. And fourth quarter belonged to Illinois. They outscore Indiana 25-19 in the fourth quarter and they win the game 86-66. Mackenzie Holmes may be the only bright spot for the Indiana Hoosiers going for 24 points um, as she had 10 of 14 field goals, 4-5 or at the free throw line. But the reason this is a trap game is because Indiana has a big one coming up at home, sellout crowd expected at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, and I think Indiana was looking ahead. They forgot they had to go take care of business against Illinois. Because they're in a fight for that top spot in the Big Ten. And, you know, Iowa with a couple of losses. Before today, uh, Indiana with a couple of losses. you got Ohio State, which is one loss in the conference. And so Indiana was probably looking at this game as potentially the make it or break it on whether or not they could get a Big Ten championship. Uh, and they've got I- Iowa and Caitlin Clark coming to their place Thursday. And Indiana got caught in the trap. Trapped in the web.
2: <laughs> yeah, the web of looking ahead to Caitlin Clark. We've all been there, but uh, no, they definitely needed to handle business today against the Fighting Illini and come up short. They're uh, they're now you know third in the the women's Big Ten conference standings, a game and a half back of Ohio State at 13 and one. Iowa at 12 and two. They've played one less game than the Lady Hoosiers, but Hoosiers now 12 and three. In the Big Ten Conference. And, uh, of course, you saw what Caitlin
1: Clark did. Oh, yeah. Her last time out uh, against uh, Michigan. Uh, (laughs) All all she does is go for 49 points.
2: Little Iowa program record there, too, for the women. (laughs)
1: Yeah, not only. I mean, what a night for her. Because uh, I wasn't here on Friday, which this game was Thursday night. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a chance to talk about it because I was traveling up to Detroit, and so uh, coach Shannon Griffith was here. But Caitlin Clark comes out, scores like the first eight points of the game, and the record's broken. Mm -hmm. I mean, she left nothing to doubt. It was like, take over, start the game hot, and get the record early, get that out of the way, now focus on Michigan. But then once she got that start and got going, she had like 26 points in the first half, it's like, Hey, this could be a record breaking day on the day you set the record, <laughs> which it was already a record breaking day, but it could be a bigger record More or not bigger, but another record. Yeah. Um, 49 for Clark. And she said she wanted to hit a logo three to set the record. And what did she do? Exactly. That. A logo three. Man. Barely crosses the timeline and sets up and fires. Looked like Dame Lillard in the All-Star it, it game did. last night. Oh, now let's go there. Let's go there. Let's do it. <sighs> These All-Star games. You know, Ooh. I I thought maybe this would be enjoyable to see the game being played at Gainbridge. I've been to Gainbridge Fieldhouse a number of times, so it almost feels like I'm watching a game take place with a bunch of superstars, with the entire <laughs> world watching. That, uh, that I'm very familiar with the surroundings and all. That was just awful. It was awful basketball. I don't care how good these guys shoot threes at practice, but that's what it looked like last night that I was watching some kind of a practice. Yeah. Nobody I, guarded anybody. Nobody even tried to guard anybody.
2: No. No, I mean... If you could even call them closeouts, any closeouts on three point oh, shooters were just the guy kind of fly bys, yeah, waves. Yeah. And, and,
1: and then when they drive to the basket, nobody was going to stop
2: them. No, there was no charges being taken last night at the no, All Star game. But
1: there wasn't even interference. No. Nope. I mean, they just get out of the way. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just awful basketball. And Adam Silver should be ashamed that he's in charge of a league that allows their superstars to go out. And literally embarrass the game itself by how they played it. I mean, this is the the international stage to show off our very best players that play a game that in some countries, they're still learning, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this, and it's like, no, that is not basketball. Basketball is not stopping at half court when they give you 10, 15 feet of space and launching a three-pointer. That is not the game of basketball. This was a glorified game of horse meets uh, the YMCA Rec League meets an NBA practice facility. It was just garbage, absolute garbage, and it wasn't even worth watching. And the sad thing was I wanted to watch because I was trying to see Halliburton was having a heck of a night. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, he hit five threes early from oh, all over.
2: That that streak at the start of the game was very impressive from Tyrese. Yeah,
1: and finally it was a heat check yeah. from about half court that he missed. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, and I thought, this guy's got a chance to win the MVP. So I had to kind of watch to see whenever he would get into the game to mm-hmm. see how he performed. Mm-hmm. But then again, another farce with uh it basically being predetermined that if the East won, it was going to be Damian Lillard that won the MVP because they just uh, made sure Giannis having a teammate helped because Giannis would try to get the ball to Lillard in position to shoot. And you could do anything you wanted offensively. So if you wanted Lillard to be the guy to shoot it, yeah, it wasn't like anybody was going to deny Dame Lillard the basketball
2: yeah, Lillard took the most shots of the Eastern Conference. He took 10 more shots than the next yeah, highest. Yeah. Um, and he only made three more shots than Tyrese. Tyrese was 11 of 15 on the night. Lillard, 14 of 26. So.
1: Yeah, 26 shots. And what did he play, like 26 minutes? Yeah, 28. So 28 minutes, and he took 26 shots. How many assists, by the way, did Dame Lillard have? He did have six. He had six. And Tyrese had six? Yes, he did. So they had the same number of assists.
2: But how many, I mean, I didn't watch the entire game, but how many of those was just Dame giving it to a driving Giannis?
1: (laughs) Yeah, probably that too. It, It probably exactly was that, that he would come down and just flip it to Giannis driving down the lane. Unguarded. It was a breakdown defensively. The whole game was a breakdown defensively. There was no defense (laughs) last night. It's just embarrassing, though, you know, to put on that kind of a game on that stage.
2: And even even Adam Silver was kind of uh, upset with the result. He, you know, he he said, uh, "And to the Eastern Conference All Stars, you scored the most points in in a very flat manner. Well." Congratulations, is what he said. So yeah. He was obviously kind of frustrated at the results, too. I think he was hoping for a little bit more defense as well.
1: Yeah, because
2: it, it the whole professional
1: all-star scenario here that we've got in all our leagues, it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. It's already broken up to the point where there is no Pro Bowl game. Uh, Major League Baseball still has the best all-star game. Because they play real baseball and the guys actually compete because they want to prove what they can do against the best in the game. Last night, there wasn't anything proven. Nobody, Dame Lillard didn't prove that he was the best when you put all the best in the game on the court. He was the best shooter that got the most opportunities.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it really
1: wasn't even my no. percentage, the best shooter. That's what I was going to say. He just took the most shots. <laughs> he took the most <laughs> shots. What did, uh, by the way, what did Carl Anthony Towns end up? Uh, what was his field goal percentage? Because he kind of took over that game late for yeah. the West. Now, they were already like 20 points down. But in a game like that, no lead is
2: safe. <laughs> uh towns was about 65 66 percent from the field he went 23 of 35 4 of 13 from deep with 50 (laughs) points he took 35 shots he sure did yeah uh, (laughs) but but then
1: again it was one of those things where they were feeding the beast because he Mm -hmm. was just on fire there for a while but, uh, but still, it, it just wasn't even a, a game. No. And it's disappointing to see that in a state that prides itself on being fundam- fundamentally a really good basketball state, no defense at all. And there wasn't even passing. They inbounded it, threw it into the front court, and the guy shot, right? Just, just an embarrassment to the game itself, what, the, what they did last night. Four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Four six eight six two. We'll come back, wrap it up next. This is the Sports Rush on thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM. Don't forget, you never have to miss anything on the show. You can download any episode for free on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, and more. Just search for us by name, Sports Rush with Brett Rump. Coming up on Saturday, we've got your girls' high school basketball. Basketball state championships live from Indianapolis, where Bishop Lewers will take on Brownstown Central. That game at 12:45, and then at 6 p.m., Gibson Southern takes on Norwell. High school basketball presented by Parkview Sports Medicine, right here, this spot on your dial. Thanks to the guests that appeared on our show, including Greg Rakstraw from the IHSAA Champions Network and from ISC Sports Network. And in hour number two, our 15 Minutes with Fish, legendary Hall of Fame sports broadcaster Don Fisher. Once again, keep up with us on our podcast page, available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Matt Painter comes up next. This has been the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.